Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Pete DeBoer is close to becoming the Dallas Stars' new head coach. We'll have more on that in a moment. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco here, along with Chris Gallick. You can follow us at Locked On VGK, myself at Tony Dasco. Chris is at TD Chris G on Twitter. And thank you for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, according to several reports today, Former VGK head coach Pete DeBoer is expected to become the new head coach of the Dallas Stars, replacing Rick Bonus, who stepped down recently. So let's discuss whether DeBoer would be a good fit in Dallas. Uh, The fans, they keep bringing up. I went through the Twitter sphere and everything, uh, I guess, is now leading to DeBoer in Las Vegas and the controversy, uh, number one, with Robin Leonard. And, of course, Leonard with his injuries and DeBoer blasting uh, the team's top goalie. That incident, I think, could come back a little bit to bite DeBoer. And this is a Dallas team that couldn't score at times. Sounds familiar. Hmm. They were eliminated by the Calgary Flames in the first round of the playoffs. Can DeBoer take this team to another level? They have an unbelievable top line, but I don't know what else they have around that. The top line's been consistent. We've talked about it on this show when they played Dallas, when we talked to our folks in Dallas as well. Uh, Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski, DeBoer, coached Pavelski for four seasons, 2015 to 19, I believe, when Pavelski was the uh, Sharks captain. But uh, what are your thoughts on Pete DeBoer in Dallas? Does he fit that franchise, that team? I think the last point you made is the number one selling point. I have to think Pavelski has a reasonable amount of influence for campaigning to bring DeBoer down there. I mean, DeBoer, he's a fine coach. Uh, Things happened here, absolutely. But DeBoer is a fine coach that can take a team that is – you know, knocking on the door that is already there. I don't know if he's necessarily a coach to take a team that needs to be developed. That's, you know, a couple of years away. He's better suited for a team that has the ability to make a playoff run. And maybe he can find a way to spin the dials down there to get scoring at key times. Um, The last two times uh, he's made deep runs uh, in the playoffs were actually the first time he was coaching with teams, um, uh, he took uh, the Devils to their to a cup in his first year. And uh, was it the Sharks? Did they make it to the cup? Was it the Sharks' his first year when yeah. they made it deep? Um, but e- either deep way, run. two of his what's that? No, I said when they made the deep run. Yeah, continue. Yeah, Sorry. either way, it was in his inaugural year with those clubs when he made the deep run. So I would have high expectations for DeBoer in Dallas or elsewhere, but everything is pointing to Dallas right now, pending uh, something unscheduled or something, you know, just kind of popping up, so to speak. Uh, He'll be fine down there. Uh, Pavelski is going to help sell DeBoer 
you know, on the rest of the players and the team and such. He's going to point to the success in San Jose, how well he personally did. And I think he'll be a fine fit down there. Uh, Will he be able to get them to the next level and do things he did not do in Las Vegas? That is what's to be determined. And that is what I'll be interested to see in how that plays out. And not everything could be blamed on the shoulders of Pete DeBoer. We don't know what the front office was telling DeBoer, what they shared with DeBoer, what the messaging was that they wanted DeBoer to send out through the media. And Robin Leonard, again, shut down his season due to the coach's criticism, to DeBoer's criticism, was pulled against Washington. We know about that and the bizarre sequence of events. And now in Dallas, Chris, he has a young and budding superstar, and Jake Ottinger, but he also has veterans. He has uh, the veteran Braden Holpe and netminder Scott Wedgwood. It was a goalie carousel in Dallas. I think that's the first thing they need to do is solidify who will be between the pipes. It must be um, Ottinger, I think, the future of this career, and they have to do something about that. And then, uh, I mean, they just had some issues there with goaltending, um, Hudobin, uh, he was waived uh, before the season. Uh, ben Bishop was injured. They had all sorts of goalie issues there. And that's something that Pete DeBoer initially, if he does get this position, has to address. No doubt. And I don't know how much I'm shouldering a lot of the, the fiasco with Leonard and DeBoer, um, the front office, whatever role they played in there. I mean, that that's just such a, such a messy situation. And I still just have a sour taste in my mouth for the way the season ended with Robin Leonard. I get that he was upset and we know he was playing injured. He had uh, surgery just a couple weeks ago. All signs point to him uh, being healthy well before the next season kicks off. Um, but again, Leonard, the way it came across to me, and anyone can correct me uh, if I'm if I'm wrong about this, but the way the situation with Leonard came off to me was, you don't like the way I'm playing? You know I'm injured? Fine, I'm done. Like, he, Leonard is the one who shut it down, not the team. They, I guess, forced him to dress for that last, um, for that game when he was uh, backing up, and then he went on IR, you know, or not IR, I guess you can't do that, but um, his season was shut down in that game right after that. So I'm still waiting to hear Leonard's perspective on that. Um, if DeBoer is the one you're going to shoulder the blame for the way that played out, or my feelings is that was higher up in the McPhee McCrimmon uh, world. And I honestly don't know if DeBoer and Leonard had an unrepairable relationship. That's not the vibe that I got. I think uh, as we've said, there was definitely some influence from the front office and you know, good for DeBoer, fresh start. He can, uh, you know, shed uh, shed his uh, Vegas skin and kind of put all that behind him. And, you know, I hope he does well down in Dallas. I got no problem with DeBoer at all. Yeah, it's good to see that he's still marketable. Uh, he did some good and positive things here, especially early in the season here in Vegas. Uh, Dallas, a team that could not hold a lead. That was one of their biggest issues and concerns. And so he's going to have to do something about that. They were able to get leads in games, but they couldn't hang on. Uh, their third period uh, breakdowns, I think, were most notable. And he also has some veterans there, like Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan. Um, he's got a good nucleus of players. Uh, do you think he could win in Dallas? Oh, no doubt he could win in Dallas. I mean, Dallas took Calgary to seven games. They had 
you know, they had a great run to qualify for the playoffs and some great game, you know, great, great game against Vegas down the stretch and such. Um, it's a roster that is, um, if, if competable is a word, it's a competable roster that does have the ability to have a solid regular season. I don't look at, look at them as a team to you know necessarily compete to win the Central, obviously. Uh, you know, right now it seems like you got the unstoppable machine of Colorado to uh, deal with, but I do see him being able to get, you know, one of those top three seeds in the division and, you know, at the, at worst, a wild card level roster. Again, though, can DeBoer take them to that next level? Because he could not take Vegas to the next level in really all three of it. Well, two and a half, I guess, but all three of his campaigns with Vegas, he couldn't get us to that next level. He couldn't get us past Dallas, who on paper, we were much better than going into the Western Conference final. Um, The following year, a loss to Montreal in the NHL semifinals, there wasn't uh, the standard East versus West because of COVID, couldn't get us past, I I think we were over a minus, I think we were a minus 250 favorite in that series. Uh, And then down the stretch, obviously, here in Vegas this year, when it mattered the most, um, he couldn't get the most out of our injured roster. Again, this is not all on Deborah. This is not a a crap on Deborah type uh, moment here for me. But there's a lot of lessons I think that he hopefully learned down the stretch here in Vegas where he can maybe uh, apply them and do things a bit differently in Dallas to get them to that next level. And I do believe that uh, he is still marketable, uh, still Mm -hmm. a coach that I think is well-respected overall. Uh, The only blemish I think that people are going to look at when they talk about DeBoer is, again, his relationship with Robin Leonard, although this team had over 500-man games uh, that were due to injury. So that's something that he could hang his hat on, I'm sure, when he goes in for his interviews, wherever he's interviewed. It looks like he's going to land in Dallas, and it appears that Pete DeBoer uh, will have his next job, and UGK will be facing, of course, Dallas in the not-too-distant future. Coming up next, we'll talk about Tampa, and the Lightning can close out the Rangers and the ECF on Saturday. And later on, we will take a look at why VGK might be dragging its feet when it comes to naming a new head coach here. Stay with us, more ahead. You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find out all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA Finals, NHL playoffs, as we head to the Cup, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. And you can use your mobile device as well to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And we have an important favor to ask of you. What we're doing is we're putting together a survey so we can learn more about all of you listeners, what you like, and make your favorite Locked On podcast like Locked On VGK even better in the future. And this is your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like about Lockdown Podcast. Just simply go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take you very long. Everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, again, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for all of your help. So, Chris... 
For the third time in the series, Tampa Bay and the Rangers, Tampa scores a winning goal with under two minutes remaining. The game winner was Sergachev, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, as he goes again uh, with a shot from around the blue line for a second time of the game. This time it was deflected in uh, by Andre Palat. Earlier, Sergachev had that goal on the shot from the blue line, and that shot made it all the way through traffic. Two really difficult shots and goals uh, for the Rangers. Can they rebound as they come back now? Uh, they've been great in elimination games. They head to Tampa, and Tampa will look to eliminate the New York Rangers. As you did your last feed, I just literally made some financial investments at the Rangers plus 400 to win the series and plus 1300 to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. I'm chasing a little bit. I'm not going to lie about that, but I still do believe that the Rangers are very well and alive in this series. They've been down three to two in each of the first two playoff rounds. So this is not a, this is not unfamiliar territory. This is not, oh my God, panic mode by any means. I don't feel strongly that any team was capable of winning four games in a row in that series. And if Tampa does, so be it good for them. But I do think the Rangers will have a nice bounce back game and we will take this thing to game seven. As soon as Justin Bieber gets out of the way of, uh, of, um, you know, Madison square garden so we can get that game going, but great game last night. Um, Just a perfect type of playoff game. Good chances, both sides. Tampa seemed to have, the edge, they hit a few posts throughout, but the Rangers had a great chance in the third. Uh, Adam Fox came in. I thought Fox was going to put it in, and the rebound was right there. And Vasilevsky just made an absolute all-world save that, my gut, I thought it crossed the line at first. Obviously, the replay showed otherwise. Um, but all three of the notable goals, forget the empty netter, it was just standard playoff, gritty, put the puck on net, and see what happens type of goals. A weird angle for the first goal. Then Tampa scored just two of my favorite types of goals. Just you put a butt in front of the goalie and watch what happens. Uh, Corey Perry. I loved Corey Perry's positioning on that first goal. Just outside the crease. He didn't even try and tip the puck on the way in. Like he knew the situation perfectly. He left his stick on the other side of where the puck was going. He knew that uh, Shashurkin could not see the puck coming in. And he just, that's just so much experience to do what he did on that play. Um, I'm loving Tampa's game right now. The Rangers are in a tough spot. I still believe in the Rangers, but, you know, it's as a fan of hockey, this is a great series to to just sit back and enjoy. I thought the Rangers were way too tentative. They had a lot of shots that they passed and said. Uh, Ryan Strom missed a wide open net. I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, the puck just went off of his skate. They said if he continued, if he just stopped right there in front of the net, rather than continue to move his feet, he would have, he would have been able to control the puck and put it in, uh, past Vasilevsky. Those two posts you mentioned coming in the first period of play and the Rangers, I think, need to be a little bit more aggressive, uh, with, uh, taking their shots in game number six, if they're going to prevail. Uh, Palat has been the star fueling this comeback for the Bolts. Uh, three goals, two assists in the past three games. And then we saw some roughhousing, Chris, at the end of the game. <laughs> Steven Stamkos and Lafreniere tangled up. And there were other dance partners squaring off. Um, that was interesting. <laughs> and uh, the Rangers, you know, they need to uh, play a little bit more physical. But 
why do you believe I'll tell you what I thought about Ryan Reeves is uh, scratch last night. He took really two awful penalties the previous two games against Tampa. And I think that Gallant really wanted to get a little bit in his head. And Rooney was in on the fourth line last night. Uh, the first uh, shot that went in um, on that uh, long goal again um, for Sergachev went right through the legs of Rooney. But uh, I think, again, Gallant knows how to push buttons. And we will see Ryan Reeves flying around in the next game. Yeah, um, no doubt. And Reeves, not just his last game, but Reeves, as far as his minutes on ice versus penalties he's taking, I'm sure there might be a stat that, you know, an advanced level stat that talks about that, like uh, penalties per minute played or something. But I feel like Reeves finds himself in the box a lot right now. And, you know, that's that line that he needs to walk. And I feel like in his time with Vegas, he did stay out of the box outside of, you know, obviously – uh, fighting and such uh, didn't take a lot of rough penalties and to see a player like Reeves in the box that just has to make Gallant absolutely stew inside because Reeves he brings the value of physicality and just the the possibility of him retaliating against one of your star players but when he goes to the box everyone on the other team is just laughing about that because Reeves doesn't factor too much into the outcome of the game. But that said, it would have been nice to have Reeves out there for that little uh, skirmish at the end of the game, right before uh, the clock, uh, right as the clock uh, hit zero. And Lafreniere, he uh, he got uh, Stamkos right in the jaw. The, the glove was on at the time, but he popped Stamkos pretty good in that. And then on the ground, they were both hitting each other. And, you know, he got some fire and some passion and some anger. And again, it's it's everything that playoff hockey is right now. It's, it's a lot of fun and uh, can't wait to catch game six. Yeah, that's coming up on Saturday night. Uh, the Rangers goal coming from Ryan Lindgren on that difficult angle. And again, Vasilevsky beating to the blocker side. That's been something else uh, that uh, the Rangers and other teams have exploited during the playoffs. Uh, the Rangers, again, are undefeated in the elimination games during the playoffs. They've been able to have that fortitude to bounce back. I'm just personally not feeling it for the Rangers. You know, I'm close as a fan in watching the Rangers team this entire season. And I just don't know. I just thought, again, um, giving up that two-nothing lead in game number three, I thought was a killer and a momentum breaker uh, for the Lightning. The Lightning are also, uh, Chris, eight and two in series in which uh, they are leading three to two. So that's their record. And they have also won the 10 straight series. Rangers up against it. The experience, I think, is also starting to show for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa's a great team. They're well coached. They have some of the best veteran leadership that's out there, and they find ways to add more, you know, Corey Perry, obviously. And it's a tough out. I mean, it's going to be an extremely tough out. And what I, I guess, have a hard time understanding is why present company included, but why was Tampa Bay so overlooked coming into the playoffs? Uh, third in the Atlantic, I believe. So they had to, you know, win their first win every series as 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 the road team, I guess you can say now. Including if the, they make it to the Cup final, they won't have home ice over Colorado. Um, why were they so overlooked? Like I get, I mean, third place, fine, whatever. But two amazing runs uh, the year before the Presidents Trophy. Like, I think the entire NHL just slept on him. 
maybe just like I was alluding to just so many games played, maybe they were tired and everyone thought they would break down, but that's not the case. That's not the case by any means. And if they do three Pete, you know, now we're talking a, a destiny level type team. And I mean, why can't they four Pete? Why can't they go, uh, you know, New York Islanders style back in the early eighties, I guess. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting uh, game coming up game six on Saturday night in the ECF. And I don't know, hopefully we're not saying uh, so long to, uh, to the Rangers just yet. Hmm. Coming up next, uh, Chris and I will take a look at the latest from the VGK coaching rumor mill. As that search continues more after this, you are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. It's free and available. Our podcast is wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And uh, Chris, I wanted to talk about uh, something that broke today. Uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman on their podcast named the top four coaching candidates for Las Vegas for the Vegas Golden Knights. And at the top of the list, they still have Barry Trotz. We still now have uh, Bruce Cassidy, the newcomer, uh, into the ring, into the arena this past week. Uh, Rick Tockett, who is one of your favorites early on, and a surprise name in Jim Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery currently with the St. Louis Blues. I think he's been there for a couple of years. And previous to that, in 1819, I think he was the head coach of uh, the Dallas Stars. So Montgomery, that's an interesting name that they're throwing out there. Could all of these names and all of this speculation be a smokescreen in that perhaps Barry Trotz, they're just waiting on his final decision, or they might have an agreement like Emily Kaplan uh, said a couple of weeks ago, there might be an agreement in place and Trotz is just out there fishing and uh, sipping some uh, ice cold beers uh, there on the lake and, and just taking his sweet, blessed time. Who knows? Um, I think a lot of teams that have coaching vacancies are all waiting for, you know, the top domino to fall. I think multiple teams at this point probably have offered Barry Trotz something. Um, I don't know how deep that's been. I know it seemed like a time, you know, a week or two ago, there was a potential deal in place and maybe there is a deal in place with VGK. Maybe they're working on the last uh, terms and things like that and all the outside of the financials, whatever else that goes into creating a contract. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how long that takes, how long that should take. I do feel if there was a deal in principle with Barry Trotz, you might see some of the other um, you know names out there start being grabbed at this point. Like no one wants to wait. I mean, now we're starting to get to the point where uh, the rookie camps are coming. The draft is around the corner. Free agency is around the corner. You don't just want to bring in a coach a week before all that starts and, you know, start going through all the things on the checklist and such. So why is this taking so long? I don't know. I don't, my gut tells me there's not something in place with trots and any team, because if there was, I think you will see other, other play, other coaches starting to get jobs. Uh, Scott Montgomery or Jim Montgomery, pardon me. I'm, I literally just got the hockey DB out. As you said that looking up, trying to get some information about him. And yeah, he coached the Dallas stars in 1819 lost in round two, 1920, 31 games. And 
he's out after the team starts 17 and 11, I guess that's odd, odd right there. An assistant in St. Louis uh, before that um, college university of Denver, and then USHL where he won two championships back in a uh, 2010, 11 and 12, 13. So he's been around, he's an up and comer. Um, can someone like Jim Montgomery manage a team of, you know, veterans, with big contracts like the Golden Knights just out of the shoots, I wouldn't feel too good about that. I'm sure he's a fine coach, and I'm sure he might have a fine career depending on how things shake out. But is he the person now to lead the Golden Knights? I gotta, I would have to cross him off my list immediately just based off of experience. And let's go back to, you know, Trotz, Cassidy, Tockett. I mean, those are the, the top targets out there, in my opinion, that are best suited for VGK. And you know, if it's Trotz, cool. If it's Cassidy, I think I like that a little better. And Tockett, I think, is still my number one choice of those three. I mean, I, I think, honestly, if I was going to rank the top three as far as the best candidates for Vegas in our situation, I think I would go um, uh, Tockett, um, Tockett, Cassidy, Trotz in that order if I was going to be the one uh, picking. That's my... That's my trifecta. I'm not boxing it. That's just my straight tri- trifecta right there for you. And so I'm going to go with uh, Trotz, Cassidy, and England. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> He's still 10 to 1. He's a contender. 10 to 1 is too short. I need, I need 12 to 1 <laughs> if I'm betting that. I need 12. So yesterday uh, I was uh, trying to get uh, – I was trying to find a feed on Zoom or other where uh, other places – uh, otherwise, to see what was going on with the Bruce Cassidy presser. Uh, first time that he was speaking to the media back in Boston since his firing, since his dismissal. And uh, I was just following some of the uh, the tweets from the beat writers uh, back there in Boston instead because I couldn't find a live feed. Uh, but so Cassidy said that he was surprised by the decision uh, that they let him go. He said that he was under the assumption and preparing to be back next season. He said uh, it was pretty interesting because at the end of the season, they gave him an assurance that he would return and then he gets fired. (laughs) And that just happens. Right. Um, He says, at the end of the day, you are always on the clock as a coach. So it did catch him a bit as a surprise. And he was uh, really surprised. And he also said in his next challenge, he's going to make sure that he's mindful of the messaging um, in response to criticism that he might have been too hard on players. Um, he said that he re- respects the entire organization and he just needs to work better there. And another thing about Cassidy, he will not be out of work for too long. He won't be uh, because he said he's already had a number of teams reach out to him about their openings. And here are all those openings, right, Chris? We've got the Jets, Flyers, Stars. Well, Stars will be closed here soon. Uh, perhaps by the weekend, Red Wings, Blackhawks, and VGK. And he wants to get back to work, hopefully as soon as possible. A lot of different ways all this can shake out. And I wonder in Boston if, uh, you know, they had their exit meeting and then maybe there was some cold, you know, cold feet or so. And then all of a sudden they start thinking about a name like Barry Trotz could be a better fit. Maybe, you know, that has something to do with it. I'm not exactly sure. I do like his messaging at the end, basically alluding to 
needing to be a little more careful about how things come through the media and stuff like that. I mean, he's a young NHL coach as far as his career goes. So he's learning just like everyone is at, at his uh, experience level. And I think uh, he is due to take some major steps forward. If it wasn't a team like Vegas, I think actually the best fit for him, and it could even be a better fit than Vegas is actually the Red Wings. Um, The Red Wings have just been stockpiling talent and draft picks for really the last four or five years now. And they're just starting to see that talent develop. And you look at what Cassidy did starting uh, in Providence with the uh, AHL Bruins and then went right up to uh, the Boston Bruins about three or four seasons after that. So that could be a similar situation where he can really work with the young talent. Um, in his presser, he really alluded to and, and named uh, players like McAvoy and such about how much they have grown, how the young players have grown, which I find interesting. He made it a point to call out his relationship and how the young talents developed because uh, you mentioned uh, earlier in the week that Cassidy is known for being rather hard on that young talent. So I think there's a little bit of campaigning going on there. Uh, Everyone is very careful with what they say in the media and very calculated. Uh, You look at someone like George McPhee in that, you know, Canadian, Canadian uh, broadcast or podcast he did, uh, you know, a month ago now, that seems like uh, forever ago, all of a sudden, and the way things are portrayed and the messaging and stuff. So I got to think that Cassidy, in that presser, there was some campaigning involved and look, I've grown. I do I can do good things with young players. I can lead the veterans. So that'll hopefully open the eyes for him to land on. He'll land on his feet probably as soon as he wants to. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already interviewed Vegas and, uh, or otherwise. Um, but yeah, Cassidy and Trotz think those are the, the crown jewels right now. And once one of those two gets signed, the other gets signed right away. And then your next tier, uh, Paul Maurice, Tockett, et cetera, that's when uh, those dominoes start to fall in place. And VGK is still the best job out of all those teams on this list. I would have to say, if you're ranking them, uh, VGK at the top, although you still have to deal with this front office here. Um, at the bottom, you probably have the Blackhawks, um, the Flyers, uh, the Jets are right there. You know, that's a team that uh, I think can take a, another step this upcoming season with the right coach. Stars is a pretty good job, as we saw another playoff team and the Red Wings, as you mentioned, uh, Chris, the future of that franchise looks very bright with all of that young talent for the Red Wings. Now, on Monday's show, uh, you want to discuss whether or not the mix are on the hot seat. <laughs> I, I like that. And we actually had another good suggestion. Um, uh, this just came through. Let me see if I can give credit here. Uh, LV Pro Sports, who stays, who goes in the bottom six? I, I really like that discussion, too. All right, and, we could um, do that. I, I really week. like that one. All right. And are the McSees on the hot seat? Yeah, that, that's another be. wonderful topic. <laughs> and uh, I, can, I, I, mean, I think McPhee. the answer is evident, but we can definitely uh, – Get, take a take a deeper dive, uh, definitely, on Monday's show, no doubts. And we thank you all for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen every day. For your second listen, make sure that you check out Locked On NHL. And Locked On NHL is covering the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from all the local experts every Monday through Friday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. You all have a great weekend out there. We thank you all for tuning in. For my man, Chris G., Chris Golick, 
I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll see you again on Monday right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.